Good morning and welcome to Victory Church. How you doing? Let me hear you real quick. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. My name is Troy. I get the privilege to pastor Victory Church. And I do want to reiterate a couple of things that you just saw in the video. Uh, number one is the text to connect aspect. Do me a favor. If you are visiting with us or maybe you have been uh, coming for a couple of weeks now and haven't had the opportunity to get connected, I want to encourage you. You can pull out your phones and you can text to the number 31996. So right there in that number area, put 31996, and you text VICTORY18. And what that's going to do is that's going to send you kind of a digital connection card. It uh, gives us the opportunity to get to know you, and there'll be some opportunities for you at the bottom to mark uh, different selected boxes. Maybe if you decide to give your heart to the Lord today, or you want to get baptized, or you're interested in serving in a dream team, all kinds of different ways to do that. But again, if you are visiting for the first time, or you've been coming for a while and just haven't really taken that step to get connected, uh, we really love to be able to meet you, really love to be able to get you what we like to call from your seat to your feet and start serving and start connecting and so on. Uh, also, a couple of things I want to highlight. As you leave today, you can actually get a couple of these um, information cards for yourself. First is our very first missions trip. All right, come on, let me hear it. If you're excited about the missions trip. So what we're going to do is next year, July 18th through the 23rd, we will be going to Costa Rica, baby. And so I want you guys, if you're interested, if you say, hey, I'd love, maybe you've gone to mission trips before, or maybe you've been excited and you really wanted to go to one uh, for the first time, you can actually go with us to Costa Rica. So August 8th is going to be our informational meeting. And so if you don't want to forget that, when you go out at our Welcome Center area, uh, you'll be able to get one of these. You can kind of put it on your refrigerator or whatever it might be to remind you. And then also what you're going to find out there, we might even have some Dream Team members to put them in your hands today, is our At The Movies invite card, all right? How many of y'all are excited about At The Movies? You excited about it? All right, so in case you are visiting with us, let me give you just a real quick run through. Uh, two years ago, 2019, we did our very first At The Movie series, and it was a huge hit. And what happens is every Sunday, I take different movie clips from a different blockbuster movie and preach through them. There's popcorn, there's Coke that you guys get to have right here in the auditorium. Shh, don't tell anybody. Uh, so you get to eat your popcorn, drink your drinks. There's all kinds of cool things happening in the lobby, cool stuff for your kids. And so we were going to do the sequel last year, 2020, but something happened. And so 2021, we are excited to do the sequel to At The Movie. So here's what you need to understand about this invite card, that there is so much promotion going on in Rutherford County right now with this logo. We've sent, we're sending out mailers uh, to certain people's houses. We've got all kinds of social media push, and it looks just like this, At The Movie is the sequel. So when you go and invite one of your friends or coworkers and you give them this handout, not only does it have all the information needed, but they might actually see it and go, hey, I just saw this on my Facebook page, or hey, I just got something like this in the mail. And so it's just a continual way to tell people about what we're doing in the month of August. We'll start August 8th. And I just want to encourage you to tell your coworkers, your friends, let's pack the place out. Let's let them learn about the gospel through today's blockbusters. Um, I do know the movies that we're doing, and I thought about spoiling them and telling, them, telling you them, but I decided not to. So um, in order for you to know, you're going to have to actually show up August 8th through the 29th, I believe it is. It's going to be a great time. Amen? Amen? All right, if you got your Bibles, do me a favor and turn to the book of Acts. We have been studying through the book of Acts, we did the book of John together, <clears throat> and then we broke for the Easter message, we actually were still in John for that, and then we started Acts, and we'll actually pause Acts for at the movies, we'll pick it back up uh, in September, we'll pause it again for a special series around the November time, Christmas, 
and then we'll start talking about what God wants to do in 2022. So it's already, can you believe the year is like already almost gone? It's pretty intense. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. We were in Acts 8 last week. It's taken us a while to go through because there's so much good stuff, rich material in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is all about the believers of Christ taking the gospel outside of their four walls, sharing the gospel and seeing people saved. Last week, we talked about uh, pardon the interruption and how Philip was in Samaria while this revival is happening and God takes him out of that and sends him to this desert road uh, to where there's not a lot going on so that he could lead one person to the Lord and that was the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're gonna talk a little bit next week uh, through, the, through what's gonna happen, the transformation of Paul. We're gonna talk about how you're living proof of God's power, and so it's going to be a great Sunday. I don't want to miss that, but there's a story right in the middle of Acts 8 that we skipped over last week that I felt like we needed to go back and look at because some pretty interesting things happen, okay? So we're going to start reading at verse 9. We'll read to verse 19, and then I'll start to break it down. So Acts 8, verse 9, and it starts like this. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all of the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. So not only was he a sorcerer, but he was bragging about himself. And all of the people, both high and low, gave him their attention. And they exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. So now they're believing this man's tricks, and they're believing that he's a man of God. It says that they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, so he was running Samaria, Philip shows up, starts preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, everybody gets baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived there, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, baptized in water. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on the, hand, on the apostles' hands, he offered them money and he said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you for just a few moments from a certain subject, but I, I, the title is really more of a confession. So, so I need your help. I'm going to confess it, and you're going to confess it, okay? So on the count of three, well, I don't, on the count of three, I got to tell you what it is. My bad. Uh, so I'm going to walk you through what it is, and I want you to just say it out loud. You ready? Say, I'm a pro. I'm a pro. At putting on a show. Now say it with confidence. I'm a pro of putting on a show. The other day, uh, have y'all ever been on Facebook when Facebook will give you a memory? You know what I'm talking about? It'll, it'll like give you a memory and you can, they say if you share it, you can see it. Uh, it was a few days ago and this memory popped up and it was uh, a video from when I was in high school. And in the video is myself, Brian Hogwood, and Erica Hogwood, who was Erica Johnson at the time. They weren't married yet, obviously. And we were in a fashion show for a class that we did called DECA, D-E-C-A. And I had to watch it. And it was the most miserable thing to watch because, first of all, 
we are not saved. Not that that really changed anything about the video, but it, uh, I had this like, uh, what do you call them? Like a visor hat on and I had it cocked to the side and I had this Tommy Hilfiger outfit and so did B. And so we came out and we had, we had this whole deal where we raised money for DECA and we did this fashion show at our school and there was this runway and Brian and I had practiced this, this handshake that we did. And so most people came out and they did their little poses or whatever. And Brian and I came out and we met center stage. And we did this, I thought about bringing him up here, but I didn't want to do that. Uh, we did this whole long handshake together. And then I walked the runway and he sat down and watched me walk. Darla pointed out, she was like, I like how y'all watched each other. And I was like, be quiet. And so I walked down the runway. I come back and I pick him up and he walks down the runway. And I mean, we put on a show, boy. And it, and it got me thinking about all of the times, because that wasn't just... The only time, because later on, me and Brian got into youth group together, and we started doing videos and things together. Uh, we, we did this one traveling bit uh, where we were called Out of Sync, and what we did is we lip synced to, to certain songs. It was Christian, like, boy band songs, and so we would come out and dressed up, and the only thing I can really remember from it is at the very end, I remember I ran and jumped on his back, and he carried me out of the room. That's all I really remembered. It was, it was an interesting thing. And then that made me jump a couple of years in advance to the things that Darla and I used to do in Memphis, at our church in Memphis. And one time, are y'all familiar with the Spartan cheerleaders? Do y'all know who, that, who they are from Saturday Night Live? Where they would come out and they'd just be like, you know, yeah, they would do all that kind of jumping up stuff. Uh, Darla and I rented cheerleading costumes. And we came out on the stage and did this whole bit. And, and I know y'all are thinking right now, like, we, we need to change churches. And... It's true, but, but the deal is that I, I just learned as I looked over from high school to youth ministry to even Darla and I as adults doing videos in Memphis that, that I have always been able to put on a show, all right? Like, I haven't been able to do much in my lifetime. Uh, I'm still praying that God would give me a singing voice. I can't do much, but I can put on a show. And, and I even felt the Holy Spirit kind of check me for a second when I was prepping this message saying, sometimes you still put on a show. Sometimes, whether it has to do with where you think you are uh, mentally or where you think you are spiritually or where you think you are physically, sometimes you still are good at putting on a show, like pretending like you're okay when in reality you're not. And in Acts chapter 8, we get introduced to a man that was so good at putting on a show that they actually referred to him as Simon the Sorcerer. Now that word, that word sorcerer there is actually also translated to magician. So he could also be referred to as Simon the Magician. And what they meant back then by magic, it wasn't so much what you're used to, day, used to today, table magic or, or whatever it might be. But back then what it was is it meant that he was a man who used illusions of the mind and evil spirits or witchcraft to do this, these supernatural things to give the impression, listen to this, to give the impression that he himself was harnessing the power of God. All right, let me just say that again so you catch that. When they called him a sorcerer or a magician, that meant that he was using witchcraft to, to bring these illusions to give the impression that he was operating and harnessing the power of God. And by the time that Philip gets to Samaria, by the time that the gospel's starting to spread and Philip rolls up into Samaria, this man has already made a career out of performing and pretending to be empowered by God. 
He's made a career out of pretending to be empowered by God. And now the people of Samaria on one side have a guy who is practicing magic. And on the other side, Philip, a guy who is performing miracles. So in Samaria, you have Simon the sorcerer who's practicing magic. We. And you have Philip the evangelist who is performing miracles. And these people, like us today, had to decide, would they trade their miracle for magic? Would they be willing to trade their miracle for magic? When Darla and I were pastoring uh, kids, we were doing kids ministry. It was called City Lights at the time in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, one time I got really excited and I did a magic trick for my sermon for kids. We had, uh, I think it was, it was kindergarten to sixth grade, I think is what we had in there. And I became addicted to magic tricks, all right? Like, like I became so much to the point that like every time I preached, I would use a magic trick. I mean, it was just so cool because I was deceiving little children, like, right? It was awesome. Like, like, like you would have never fallen for it. I mean, if I would have got up, I thought about doing a couple today just to trick you, but, but I, would, I would buy these on Amazon or I'm not sure Amazon existed back then, but, but I would buy it online and I would perform it. It was so amazing. And that's what I was thinking about when you go to Acts chapter eight and you read about Simon the sorcerer. Look what it says in verse nine. It says that Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and it amazed all of the people of Samaria. You should see these kids, when they would come up to me after service, after doing a magic trick. Now, here's how I knew they weren't that bright. Can I, can I, can I share with you real quick? This is when my, I, I lost the excitement for what I was doing in magic when I learned that they weren't that bright. We did a series one time where I, we did characters all the time. And I was, this, I was different characters. T. Rizzle, she was Dollar Bill. We were all kinds of different characters. Um, oh, yeah. Y'all should, look, y'all should, should find somebody to pastor church so we can go back to kids' ministry, okay? It's awesome. Um, but we did this like army series one time. My name was Sergeant Loudmouth, okay? That was my name. And the only thing different about me was I had a fake mustache. Now, I didn't have this incredible beard back then, okay? Um, so all I had, why y'all laughing? So all I, all I had was this fake mustache and a bandana on. And so after every series, walk with me, guys. After every series, our characters signed autographs. Right? So we would have like pictures of our characters and we'd sign autographs and the kids collected them and all that. No, we'll probably, you know, I know that's, I'll probably talk to Jesus about that when we get to heaven, but it was fun. Um, and so after the series, the series was over, it had gone for, I don't know, eight weeks, Sergeant Loudmouth was going to be there to sign autographs. And we, we met in the gym and we had this door that came open into the kitchen. So that's where the characters would always be. We'd, we'd throw this door open and they'd be back there so the kids couldn't touch them, they couldn't get in the room. And it was this big deal and kids would line up to get their autographs. And I remember I'm sitting there and I'm signing the pictures and all that. And this kid walks up to me and he goes, Sergeant Loudmouth. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, where's Pastor Troy? And I knew at that moment I wasn't working with bright people. You know what I mean? Like, like it was like the Superman complex where I had just put on glasses and all of a sudden nobody knew who I was. Like it was just, that was the moment. So I didn't get too excited about my, it's probably one of the reasons why I didn't bring my magic tricks out today is because I didn't think you'd like them. Maybe next week. We'll see how it goes. Okay. So he's practicing sorcery in Samaria, and people are amazed. And it says that he boasts that he is someone who's great. He is a professional at putting on this show. And these people start to say, he's, he's a man, <clears throat> and they call him the, with the great power of God. They're amazed by him. Simon is this amazing expert magician. But here's the deal with magic. 
Magic is just the art of misdirection. All that magic is, I hate if I, I ruin that for you, but all that magic is, is the art of misdirection. And since Simon was an expert at magician, at being a magician, that meant he was an expert at the art of misdirection. And in that day, listen to me, Christianity and paganism existed side by side. Paganism and Christianity, side by side. So the goal of the enemy, the goal of the devil was misdirection. He wanted to get you to look at this magic so you would miss your miracle. If he could get you to look at this magic, you would become so obsessed with the show that you could miss out on the Savior. You'd be so obsessed with the magic that you'd miss out on your miracle. This is, the, this is still today the same process that the enemy uses. The same process that he's using on you and I today is misdirection. He still wants to get us to look over here so that we can miss out on something over here. If he can get us to focus on lust over here, then we'll miss out on love over here. If he can get us to focus on comfort over here, then we'll resist change over here. If he can get us to focus on our feelings over here, we will abandon our faith over here. The enemy's process today still is to get you to look at the show, to watch the show of magic so that you will ignore and therefore miss out on the real miracle of Jesus Christ. And there is so much pressure on us to pretend as if we have it all together that now we have mastered the art of misdirection. Am I right? Everywhere we turn, there's pressure on you to act like you got it all together. Everywhere you look, you got to be the best spouse and the best parent and the best person when it comes to fitness and the most intelligent Christian and the best at your job. And you have to be able to speak on this and speak on that and do it eloquently without offending anybody. Everywhere you look, there's pressure for you to look like you have it all together. And because you don't, <laughs> and neither do I, We've mastered the art of misdirection, and we try to get people to look over here at the show that we're putting on, and therefore ignore what's really going on over here. If I can put on a show over here and make you think my marriage is healthy, then you'll miss out on the point that over here my marriage is falling apart. If I can put on a show over here and make you think that I'm financial, financially stable, then you will not see over here where I am financially falling apart. If I can get you to look over here and make you think I'm some holy spiritual person, then I can get you to ignore the fact that I am struggling with my faith. But deep down, deep down we have this fear that people are going to find out that we are less than they thought we were, right? So we give this appearance of freedom. We give this appearance of joy. We give this appearance of peace. But the reality is we've just become pros at putting on a show. We're so worried that people are going to find out who we really are. We're so worried that people are going to find out that, that we're not as great as they thought we were or as we thought they thought we were. And so we just learn how to professionally perform. So on the surface, we look like we got it all together, but we go home and we get into the fetal position. And we're exhausted 
from performing. I was thinking about this, and I remembered back to when I was youth pastoring. And when I was a youth pastor, it's probably, gosh, 10 years ago, maybe, when I started. And, and I didn't have a lot of faith in me as a pastor. I didn't have a, lot of, I didn't have a, a great education. Uh, I, you know, I, I wasn't great with words, and so I had a lot of insecurities when it came to my preaching. I had a lot of insecurities when it came to my, my theology. And so I just, a lot of times, did not have a lot of confidence in my sermons. And so because of that, what I would do is I would do these elaborate sermon illustrations as a youth pastor. Like I would do these, like I couldn't preach without some kind of sermon illustration. I had to have something really big. It's ironic that I'm saying this because I'm literally going to use one today, but you'll get over it. So, um, but what would happen is I'd do these elaborate things, but it never failed. It always backfired on me and I'd always end up getting hurt, all right? Or something would happen. So I'll give you an example. I'll never forget this one time I was preaching on how praise was like praise is the wrecking ball, the wrecking ball of praise, that no matter what you're going through, the hardship you're going through, if you'll praise God through it, then he'll, he, you know, it's the wrecking ball. Of you give me? Okay, all right, so moving on. And so what I did is I took a volleyball, and I spray-painted the volleyball black, and I tied a rope around it where I could swing it, you know what I mean, like this? And then we had these fake foam rocks, and I built up this fake foam rock wall. And on the wall, I put all kinds of different words like stress and depression and worry. And I'm preaching, and I've got this wrecking ball, and I'm swinging, and I'm like, when you start praising God, all these things start falling. And this is what normally happens, is I get really excited, and then I overdo things, and that's what happens. So I'm getting really excited, and I turned around, and I was like, oh, boom, and I hit it. And I hit it so hard, and I probably shouldn't use the volleyball, now looking back on it that the volleyball hit the wall and it bounced back. The, the wall didn't move, but when the ball bounced back, it hit me right in the face, all right? I was just like, boom, boom. And I mean, on the microphone, I was like, I think I broke my nose. Like, on the microphone. Uh, I, I, there were so many times I tried stuff, and I remember one time we, we hung this pot up, and, and I was gonna cut it, and it was gonna fall, and it was gonna break, and it was gonna talk about how, you know, we gotta get broken before the Lord, and we practiced it on a different pot, and it worked, and we strung this pot up, and I remember I went over, and my, my friend Michael was on the piano, he was leading worship, and I cut the rope, and the, and the pot went, shh, boop, didn't break, it just sat there, right there on the stage, and I was standing back by him, and I was like, oh my gosh, and he goes, throw it on the stage, right? He's just playing the piano. So I walked up and I picked up the pot and I threw it and broke it on the stage. And I was like, you know what happens? Is sometimes we won't get broken before the Lord. <laughs> All these kids were coming to me they were like, was that supposed to happen? I was like, you'll never know. You know what I mean? Pray more, you'll find out. My favorite one was this one though. I'll tell y'all, it just, it always backfired. Um, I'd got this massive piece of plexiglass. It was like eight feet tall, maybe, I don't know, four to six feet wide. And I, I, the day before, I covered it with mud and dirt, so it was real dirty. And I was talking about how that represents our lives, and the dirt was the sin in our lives, and all that kind of stuff. And what I was going to do is I had pitchers of water that had been dyed red. And I was going to talk about how the blood of Jesus washes all of our sins away, you know, all that. So I had the pitchers of, wa pitchers of water over here, and I had the plexiglass up. And I was, so, once again, so excited. I was like, ah, ah, I'm screaming and everything. And, and the plexiglass, let's just say, it, it, I was down on the floor because I'd preach on the floor with the kids. And the worship team was up here, and they were already playing because it was like the altar time. And this little girl named Jessica was on the piano, and she's playing the piano like this, and the plexiglass is like right here. And I got going. I got real passionate. I was like, hey, you know, when you go to Jesus, and he'll cleanse you. And I snatched that pitcher of water, and I turned around and did this right here. And I got about one inch of that plexiglass corner, all right? I, I, I like covered, and all you saw was Jessica do this. And all of the water just went over here, just, just, just went all over. It's like she's, she's washed in the blood of the Lord. You know what I mean? Like it is, it is what it is. 
But I was thinking about this because, tell me, isn't this true that when we deep down don't believe, we feel the need to perform? Right? Like, like when deep down we don't believe something, all of a sudden we feel the need to perform as if we didn't. That's where I was. I, 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 at that time, I struggled believing that the word of God was as powerful as it was, and so I felt the need to perform. So, scientists call that the imposter syndrome. Here's what they say about the imposter syndrome. They say that it's the belief that you are not as competent as people think you are. It's the experience of you feeling like a phony. You feel as though at any moment you're going to be found out as a fraud, as if you don't belong where you are. But here's what I think is the biggest problem with the imposter syndrome. Scientists that studied it said this, that said, even after you have performed, even after you've exhausted yourself putting on a show, it still does not change your beliefs. That even after you do all the performing, even after you put on the show, even though you've made everybody else believe it, deep down, your beliefs have not changed. You see this happen in Acts chapter 8. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 18 and 19. This was so powerful to see happen right in front of our eyes. Remember what I told you, that Simon has been doing sorcery for a long time, so much that he is popular in Samaria. He is so popular that as he walked around, people would have praised his name. He was making all kinds of, uh, you know, I guess what we would call today potions and different things that were probably actually doing some work for people. So it was, it was bringing him this celebrity type vibe. He was the man right? He was the man. So much that people were starting to call him this great man of God, even though he wasn't. He was putting on a show. People were calling him about, all right, this is big. It's blowing up. It's doing great. But now watch what happens in Acts chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. When Simon saw the spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, when he saw that, he said, I want that. So he goes and offers money for it. You see what's happening here? Simon was so afraid that people were going to find out that he was less than they thought he was. He was so afraid that the authentic power of God was going to expose him as phony that he offers to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. He sees these apostles laying hands on people and then receiving the Holy Spirit, what Scripture says. And Simon saw it. He watched it. And he said, I got to have that. Why? because he had been a professional at performing. And now he realized that people's attention was going to something else. And so now he wanted something to be able to elevate him because he didn't want to be exposed as someone who was just putting on a show. So he tried to purchase the Holy Spirit instead of, listen, instead of just submitting himself and receiving the real Holy Spirit, he wanted to find a way to give off the appearance of having the Holy Spirit. In other words, he wanted to keep putting on a show instead of just submitting himself and actually walking in real freedom and real joy and real peace. He wanted to keep finding a way to perform. Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody choose to continue to perform if they would just submit themselves and experience it for real? Because 
when all you've done is put on a show for so long, it's all you know how to do. And Simon's identity was so built on feelings that he did not know how to have real faith. And what we have at this moment is Samaria on one side has Philip the evangelist who is performing miracles and Simon the sorcerer who is practicing magic. And they're stuck between feelings and faith. What do you do when you're stuck between feelings and faith? What do you do when you've performed for so long that that's all you know how to do? And because that's all you know how to do, you operate on feelings. And you don't know how to have real faith because you're building it on feelings. I wanted to show this illustration because I felt like me just saying it might not come across clear enough, but it's a powerful thought for you to have in your spiritual mental bank. Most of us today are building our faith on our feelings. So this, this little box right here is going to represent our feelings, all right? I was trying to find something that would represent our faith. I needed something that was at my house. I didn't have time to go to the store, so it only makes sense that a ding-dong would work, okay? It just is what it is. Don't judge me. Um, it's very delicious, and I'm hoping that after it's over, I get to eat it. But this is going to represent our faith. So what we do is we try to build our faith on our feelings. Well, where's your faith at? Well, it depends on how I feel. Right? Am I right? How, how I feel today. And then what happens is anytime there's any kind of real pressure, as soon as we experience any kind of real pressure, our faith is done with. Travis, there you can have that one. All right. Make sense? Anytime you build your faith on feelings, then the first time there's real pressure in your life, there goes your faith, Right? The first time there's real hardship, there goes your faith. Why? Because feelings are weak. Feelings are fickle. Feelings are great to support your faith, but they cannot be where you build your faith. So something happens in Acts chapter 8 that makes sense. It says that when they found out that the people in Samaria were beginning to believe the word of God, they sent Peter and John. Now, Peter and John represent three things. First thing they represent is past prophets. The believers, the Abraham, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Moses, the Josephs. All of these men, Ruth, all these incredible women of God, Mary, all these incredible men and women of God that had been through some incredible stuff and they had great faith. They knew about them. They spoke about them. They had studied the first five books of the Bible. They knew all about Abraham and Isaac and Moses and Jacob and Joseph. They knew about it all. They also represented their present testimony. They had seen Jesus. They had seen miracles. So they had the faith of the old past prophets. They had the faith of them in their present testimony. And then they had the faith of the future hope in Jesus Christ through the resurrection. So they had past, present, and future. Make sense? It's the same thing you have today. The past prophets for you are what we're reading in Acts chapter 8. What was a present testimony then is your past prophet today. 
You still have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and Ruth, and Mary, but now you got Peter, John, and Andrew, and Paul. You have even more who testified to it. You've got past prophets that you can go back to and have your faith built. Guess what? You've also got present testimony of people who are right around you, people who have experienced the power of God, and then you have the future hope of Jesus' resurrection, the future hope because of Christ's resurrection. So as I was thinking about this, I'm like, Lord, uh, this is so powerful for me. And here's what I felt like he showed me. Remember what happened with your feelings, right? So here's what he said. We got another one. We'll share it together. So then what you do is you put your faith inside past prophets, right? Your faith is in the scriptures that you're reading today. And then you've got the testimony of the people who are around you. I got this incredible testimony from a young lady in our church about finances. I'm going to share it in a couple weeks. So powerful. But everything that you're dealing with, there's somebody that's near you that's around today that has a testimony in that. So you've got the scriptures that we're reading and studying together, Acts 8 that we're reading. You've got the testimony of your grandma and your mom and dad and your brother and sister and your friend and your, 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 the person who goes to church with you and your coworker. And then, then you have the future hope of Jesus. What happened there? It's a total different outcome than when it's in your feelings. Your feelings are fickle. And so the first time life puts pressure on it, you're done. Your faith, you know what you do? You've abandoned your faith because it's in your feelings. Because you're putting on a show. And as long as you're putting on a show, you're putting on a show because you don't believe. And when you don't believe, guess what? I know you want to hear something different, but life's not going to be easy. If you're not dealing with something right now, hold on, because it's coming. Because it's not until we get to heaven that we get to experience it without pain and without hardship. Here, we're living in trusting God. So if your faith is founded on your feelings, then the first time your feelings are hurt, your faith is gone. And that's what's happening today, is we're out putting on a show, and then people wonder, well, what happened? Well, all of a sudden, something happened to them, and their faith was built on their feelings, and so there it went. And what we see in Acts 8 is, is literally the Bible telling us, no, no, don't build your faith on your feelings. Start. Start by building it on the scriptures. Start by building it on the past prophets. Build it on Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul. Build it on Ruth, Naomi. Build it on people who have incredible faith. Build it on people who have been there, done that, and wrote it down in a book so you would believe it. Build it on the testimony of those who are around you. Build it on the testimony of your grandma, of your mom, of your dad, of your brother, of your sister, of your pastor, of your friend. Build it. And then on the future hope that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And when you build it on those things, your faith is strong in the process. Throw that one back to me real quick. I can't believe you wouldn't, you wouldn't go for it when I threw it the first time. You see the difference? I know you can't, but it's not nice. You see it. Front row people get to see it. That's, that's why you should always sit on the front row. Listen, I'll give you the better one. There you go. Listen, 
2020 was hard for a lot of people's feelings. And because their faith was in their feelings, it was hard for a lot of people's faith. And I think it's important for you and for I to start building our faith on the right things, to stop putting on a show, to not be worried about what other people think, but to be confident in what you believe, what you believe based on the scriptures, what you believe based on your testimony, and what you believe based on the future hope in Jesus Christ. Build your faith on that. And watch this. You won't feel the pressure anymore to put on a show because your faith isn't in you. It's in these other things. And when pressure comes, it doesn't overcome you because your faith is in things that have overcome the world. And you stay strong and you believe. Amen? I thought it'd be nice to end today with some time of prayer. This is something we're wanting to be able to get back to regularly, but I'm gonna go ahead and invite, I've got a couple people coming down front to pray with you. And I'm gonna have you stand in a moment, but matter of fact, stand now. Everybody stand now for me, please. I was talking to a good friend of mine recently and they were talking about the end of our services. And just like anybody, we've been trying to get back to a sense of normalcy. And somebody, my friend was talking to me about prayer time. And she said, people need a time to respond to your word. If you get up there and preach about something like building your faith, people need an opportunity to respond to that. Not only that, but I understand that sometimes we're dealing with stuff that has nothing to do with the sermon maybe a sickness or a family member or a friend you're praying for, financial situation, something you're going through. And I think it's important to give you an opportunity to not only respond to what we're talking about, but no matter what your need might be, but you're in this place and you know you need prayer. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray and when I say amen, our band's gonna begin to sing a song and we've got some team members down front. And I wanna encourage you whether you're sitting in your seat praying or whether you come down so that somebody agrees with you. The Bible talks about the power of someone agreeing with you. Do me a favor and respond to this message. Let's kind of move out of building our faith on our feelings and let's build our faith on the scriptures, the testimonies, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're in here watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus, let's do that today. If you want to know what I do, come down and ask one of these people who are down front. Say, hey, I want to give my heart to Jesus. What does that look like? They can walk you through it, being beautiful. But again, whether you are doing it in your seat or whether you're doing it down front, but I want to encourage you, if you can, come down front. If there begins to be too many people, we'll, we'll add more prayer leaders. We just want to have an opportunity to agree with you as a response to this word. So I'm going to pray, and when I say amen, we'll begin to sing, and I invite you to come. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for your word that is alive, moving in our hearts. I thank you that we can build our faith 
on your word, on your scriptures. Father, we can build our faith on the testimonies of other people. We can build our faith on the fact that Christ rose from the dead. That we get to see eternity because of him. I pray for those that are in this place that have never accepted you as their savior. I pray they do that today. I pray for those that are struggling with something. I pray they'd come and ask for healing today. Whether it be a family member, whether it be a friend, whether they just need to respond to what your Holy Spirit's telling them right now. Father, I pray it'd be a place where your Holy Spirit dwells, where the performing, performance is put aside and your presence takes place. Healing in a supernatural way. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Father, that we can pray. Thank you that we can agree together. Thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that we can find help, and healing, steadfastness, strength in our time of need. Be with us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.